Hello and welcome to the Art of Podcast. I am your host, Kukuletu. As this is a new year, I thought I should start by setting an intention. And I realized I kind of missed that in the first episode. So essentially what this podcast is about is that it is my passion project. I love creators. I love creatives and I wanted to explore that within my own context as an African and as a Zimbabwean. I want to explore the different takes and heroes' journeys of some people who are doing what I want to do and are occupying and existing within our local creative space. I think as a creative, <laughs> I struggle with the confidence and for lack of a better word, discipline to constantly produce, create, and share. Also, I know there are some challenges in the way we as individuals or in the way we interact with the creative space in this country. And I wanted to understand how to better navigate that and maybe some tips on overcoming the problems that we may face as creators in Zimbabwe. And I guess finally, I want to give people their flowers. I want to celebrate and yeah, I want to celebrate the people who are carving out paths for themselves and unapologetically creating and thriving in this space. So if that interests you, I'm so excited to take you on the journey of learning and being inspired by these people. And maybe implementing some of their tips within your creative practice and discipline. In this episode, I talked to Ware, who is an extremely talented musician, percussionist, and educator. If you haven't seen him perform, I really suggest you go on his Insta and look for the next performance. Because I promise you, the atmosphere is always incredible and you genuinely won't watch anything else like it. I think the biggest lesson I learned from this conversation was allowing what you like to guide the creative process, the race against yourself, and ultimately the discipline to move forward and trusting that your craft and your discipline will speak for itself. So without further ado, this is the art of consistency with Wow Ray. Just to begin, how would you introduce yourself to people? Um, as in just my name? Your name, just how would you introduce yourself? Okay. And you as a musician, how would you introduce yourself? Um, my full name is Kudai Mori, mm -hmm. uh, but my stage name and my nickname is Wari. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a percussionist and a music teacher. How did Wari come about? So it's a, it's a bit difficult to, to, I guess, pinpoint how mm -hmm. everything came to be because it's different parts of me. Um, I feel like I've always had two sides, which is, like I said, the teaching side and the other side, which is the performing mm -hmm. aspect. Um, I think what most people might know me for is the performing part, mm -hmm. but that came about properly, I guess, a few years ago, um, two years ago to be exact. But I've always had a passion for what I do. So that's what I was saying, it's hard to pinpoint when exactly it came about because everything has been progressing from the time that I started learning to play member to doing shows to then becoming what it is now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things like that I've observed about you, or a thought that I had when I was watching you playing, mm. is that, uh, or it's interesting to watch you play like throughout the years, uh, how you've sort of like grown mm. and developed. It's like uh, there's this book called Mastery, mm -hmm. and I feel like you have reached, like, it's watching someone master something. Would you say you have mastered it? No. No. I don't say so. I don't think. Looking at it from a musician's um, perspective, mm -hmm. I don't think you can ever master anything. You can play something mm -hmm. for years and you learn something each time. But you do develop the skill. 
But I don't think yeah. you can safely say you mastered something because you can't. I don't think you can master anything. I think it would depend on like how you define mastery. Because mm. like okay, for me when I think of mastery, it's having knowledge of something. Uh, to an extent, it doesn't mean you're done learning. Mm. But it means you've got the skill set to navigate the journey. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah, it does make sense. It does. Yeah. So with that definition, would you say you've mastered? No. If I say I that. Still, <laughs> I, still, I still don't think I have. Really? Yeah. Ah, that's I so shocking. That is shocking. Okay. So... With the teaching, you said the teaching came before the performing. Which one calls to you more? I would say I get a bit more joy from performing than teaching. But I like I like to think that I enjoy both of them equally. Because they have they bring about different emotions. Because mm-hmm. when I'm performing it's me like in the forefront. Mm-hmm. People are watching me, they're seeing me perform. But if it's teaching it's not I'm just in the background as the kids that I teach. Mm-hmm. So the joy comes from them doing something well, the way that I look at them. Okay. And from yeah. performing, it's the... It's, 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 it's... No, not even being happy that people can see me, but then mm-hmm. I enjoy watching other people enjoying themselves. Mm. So I enjoy watching people having fun, dancing, singing mm-hmm. along. It's actually like an adrenaline rush. Like if I'm performing and then I see a very dead crowd, it can not put me off, but then it, I also like just join their mood. <laughs> but if they like reciprocate whatever energy I'm giving, then mm-hmm. it's like fuel. Yeah. It's like fuel. Okay. One of the things, like you talked a little bit about uh, when you started learning, uh, how did you discover you had a passion for this? What was it? Where was it? How old were you? I guess when did you decide that you were going to pursue this? And what were the chats you had with yourself? So I only started playing marimbas in Form 1 when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And even then it wasn't, it wasn't really something I actively decided to do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of, well, my best friend um, is the one that actually forced me. We went form one and then we, we passed by the rehearsal room where people are having marimbas. Mm-hmm. Then he said we should join. Then I even said no. And then, funny enough, he then stopped actually coming. I think it was two <laughs> years later. Okay. Then I carried on. So I think I realized that I enjoyed it more because I sucked when I started, just like anyone when you start something. Did you actually suck? Yeah. Well, I mean, no one's born good at anything. But I feel like <laughs> some people have natural gifts. No, that's true. That's yeah. true. But you, you can only you can only know that if you've tried it. If it's when you try it, you might grasp it um, quicker than others, mm-hmm. which is where I think the talent comes in. But I do think like you have to start from somewhere. Would you say you're talented? Um, I do think God gave me a talented. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I realized that I became a bit more obsessed with always being in the marimba room and mm. practicing rather than doing anything else. So it became like a routine whenever I'd come to school, first thing in the morning I do that, break time I do that, lunch time I do that. And even if it was just like 20, 10 minutes of playing, it was... It was something? Yeah. Hmm. So I initially didn't think I'd want to do music. Um, I wanted to be a pilot. Really? Yeah, from, since I was a kid. And then later on in high school, I realized that I don't think I'd want anything outside of that, outside of music. Outside of music. Mm. I didn't know what exactly, mm-hmm. but I just knew it was something in that industry. Okay. So when did you start playing Oma? 2013, I think. 13. Same yeah. time? No, 2011 was not in Oma. 2013 was when. Ah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was for one in 2013. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in 2013, then I started playing. And which do you like more, if that's a question I can ask? Um, or I think both are the same? 
No, I, I like them both, but Marimba is, I can express myself more mm. on Marimba than I can on drums. On drums, because, mm. yeah, it's, I feel like my, my mind is, my mind explodes more when I'm playing Marimba than when I'm playing percussion. I see. Mm. I see. So it's like the tune. Yeah. The tune of it. Mm. I like the drum. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people do. I like the drum, mm. but I really enjoy how you infuse mm. everything, even like just the I'm a piano stuff. Mm. That's mm. it's yeah, it's marvelous. Thank you. It's truly marvelous, and I think you do have a gift. Uh, I think it's even a calling. I think you were called to do it. I guess uh, so. Would you mm. agree with that? I think so, yeah. Okay, so being Zimbabwean, mm. and in this context, were you like afraid to pursue music? I was because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh -huh. So whenever people ask me what I wanted to do within music, I'd say something kind of like sound engineering. Because uh -huh. it, it, I, I feel like I said it because it sounded a bit more formal. Uh -huh. And I think being African things above it, uh -huh. you can't really say, I'll see what happens as time goes. Uh -huh. So saying something that's a bit stable, which is like sound engineering, uh -huh. people understand like what a sound engineer does. So I said that because I felt like it would make sense to people. Uh -huh. Like even though I knew like I wasn't going to do sound engineering, <laughs> I was just saying it, yeah. Okay, and like were your parents supportive with the whole music thing? Because I think that's like a challenge to a lot of people, yeah. Zimbabweans especially. Mm -hmm. People don't see like the use of it. Yeah, it's risky. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. risky. So I think a lot of people are just happy to have you do it while you're still young and then not pursue it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so would you say you had support from your parents? Or I did. But I, f I feel like they also just had their reservations because mm -hmm. they were worried whether it would work out or not. So they'd always ask me, you want to do music, but what if it fails? And I'd say, it, it, it won't. Mm -hmm. They'd always say, but what if it does? Mm -hmm. So they were supportive. And I think the more exposure I got and the more gigs I started getting, they kind of understood it. Mm -hmm. But I won't lie. I feel like even now, they do have some concern mm -hmm. as to like how, how it's going, mm -hmm. yeah. How would you address their concerns? Or does it make you feel scared that people are concerned for you? No, because no. I'm, I'm not, yeah. That's confidence. I think, like, I always find it weird when when someone asks me what my plan is for the next year or for the next two years. Because mm -hmm. if you asked me that two years ago, before I started doing this, mm -hmm. I mean, to, at the level that we're doing it now, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to answer you, but then it just happened. So I know that whatever I'm doing is going to progress because I want it to progress. But if you ask me where I see myself in the next two years, I can't tell you because I, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's fair. Mm. That's fair. And I think like, that's the key, a sage master way to go through life. Because mm. you don't, like you focus on your intention mm. and your intention becomes the thing that fuels you. And like, I don't know, like putting yourself out there to have opportunities, uh, so with putting yourself out there, did you ever feel like you lacked the confidence to do that? Yeah, I did. I did. Because I went, I went for a really long time um, feeling like I wasn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, apart from the teaching, because I was, at that time, that was the only exciting thing I had going on. Mm -hmm. I would compare myself to all the other musicians that I knew that had mm -hmm. gigs every weekend that were playing at like different stages and I was just like getting no gigs at all mm -hmm. like completely um, 
and I think when I did get those gigs, like once in a blue moon, mm-hmm. I would jump on the on the idea because I didn't have any other option. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's it's slowly been been getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been a progress mm-hmm. thing, and would you say you've gotten more confident as it's progressed? Uh, yeah. I think I have because. Coming, coming up, coming up to the idea, or coming up with the idea mm-hmm. um, of performing with a DJ, mm-hmm. which is what I do mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, with Skyward. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea coming about was. It was more of a. It just. It was random. It wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people think that. I only started doing that as well now, mm-hmm. but the reason why it's mostly easy to play along to popular songs or mm-hmm. to play to modern music now is because the days that I was saying in high school I would practice a lot. I used to listen to a lot of EDM, mm-hmm. so all the Swedish house mafia songs. Um, I can't think of any other artists right now, but I listened to a lot of EDM mm-hmm. and I play that on my own. So I practice. Yeah. So back even when I was 13, 14, mm-hmm. before I even knew the idea would come up would come about of me playing with a DJ, mm-hmm. I started playing that type of music back then. So I just practice and like try and play the melody okay. and see how it sounds. And then I then realized that you can do covers. And then I started doing covers, which I I think I did so many during the 2020 lockdown because mm-hmm. we all at home. Mm-hmm. So after that, when things started to ease up with mm-hmm. the restrictions and everything, people saw my videos and then they'd ask me, "Do you perform live?" And I remember the very first gig I ever did playing marimba and like with background music. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked me if I could at this restaurant, and then I lied and I said I could. I mean, I said I've done it before, which I haven't. Okay. So I was literally winging it the whole. Did it go well? Yeah, and I remember it was a three-hour set. Oh wow! Yeah, and I just I played from the beginning to the end non stop. And did they give you someone to play with? No, so I had one of my friends make a a mix. So I had three mixes. I had a chilled house like lounge house mix, which was the first hour. Mm-hmm. The second hour was like just house, mm-hmm. and the third hour was I mean yeah, the third hour was. Oh, wow. That must have been scary. <laughs> yeah, it was, but like I'm saying, it, it wasn't as difficult because I was used to just playing along to music that I okay. listened to. So you had been, you had done it before, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Kind of. You've been working on it for your whole life. Yeah. You know, building it up. Mm-hmm. So would you say there's a lot of opportunities like for other Zimbabwean artists who maybe want to do the same thing you're doing? I think there is. It's just how, like the approach that you have towards it. Okay. I think with everything, you just have to try and be original. In the sense that you might do something that someone else is doing, mm-hmm. and I mean that's just how it is. You can't mm-hmm. say you're the only. Well, you can't say you're the best um, guitarist in the country because how many guitarists are around? Mm-hmm. You can be really good, but then you can't really put that title to oh, yourself. Yeah. Um, so I think whenever you do something, do it with pure and genuine intention of not wanting to outdo someone else. Because I feel like if you if you have that approach then there's no pressure on you to copy anyone or to there's no pressure for progress. Like you're doing well or you can want to do all well, but for yourself. You're not doing it for other people. And I think that brings about originality because you sit down and then you work on yourself and what you like. And I feel like whenever you do what you like, mm-hmm. you can't really go wrong. Mm. Yeah. That's really nice advice because I think like, okay, I struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the, 
bravery to sit and be in yourself and like create. Mm. Uh, I think for me, like whatever I'm doing, I'm sort of like comparing myself to what I think is good. Mm. So that has kind of killed the joy of creation for me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I do get what you're saying, what you're saying by that. Because mm. 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 I remember starting out, a lot of people were not for the idea. Like, I've messaged so many people and say, um, can I come play at your events? Or, and even now, some people just don't, they don't, they just understand it. And I, you can't blame them. Mm -hmm. You can't force your vision on someone who doesn't see it. Because okay. I feel like we have a secret to appreciate it. Okay. Mm. Uh, I don't know. But there's also that fear of no one being able to appreciate you. Ooh. But the, within the people that do appreciate it, the right people will appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then attract that, mm. that glory. Yeah. Um, what are some of your highlights or the best moments in your journey thus far? Mm. I think in terms of stages or just different events that I've played at, definitely the biggest highlight would be uh, Jacaranda, which was last year. Oh, wow. Um, but the only downside to that as well was that we played in the afternoon um, and it was like really hot and there was no one. <laughs> but just the, the fact that we got to play there was, mm -hmm. was, was quite good. And I think I can't really put a finger on what the best highlight is, mm -hmm. or some of the best highlights. But I'd say that the best moments I've, I've had were from crowds that really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I know it's not very precise, or <laughs> it doesn't help, but... No, it's, it makes sense. We've, we've done like, maybe weddings, mm -hmm. um, birthday parties, or just, events where people have so much fun mm -hmm. and people like really appreciate and enjoy and i feel like those are the best those have been the best moments mm -hmm. yeah and with teaching what has been the best moment um what like if you can pinpoint one or i don't know yeah there's there's a there's a band with students um that's in Georgia that I started teaching in Form 1. Most of them were in Form 1. Mm -hmm. um, and due to some politics that we can't get into, <laughs> um, they wouldn't get honors at Aesthetic. Oh. But they got honors when, when they were in low six mm -hmm. and when they were in upper six, which was this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Why? Okay. Yeah, because whatever was stopping them from, from achieving that was, was removed. <laughs> yeah. Was removed. Yeah. The person was, was removed. Ah, yeah. ah, corruption. Yeah. Corruption in the arts. <laughs> mm. Um, okay, and some low lights. Let's do a little low light. Um, like hard moments that you overcame, your hero's journey. In teaching? In both aspects. I feel like with the performance, we've kind of covered that. Like you mm -hmm. said, you had, you reach out to people and sometimes they wouldn't get it. Yeah. But even, like, still, is there anything else that comes to mind with the performance aspect? When you don't like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I feel like there's a lot. You can't, in fact, I think it's more lowlights than, than highlights. Then um, are the highlights that great? For me, they are. To overcome. For me, they are. When's your birthday? Uh, July 21st. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think the lowlights are definitely going to events that people don't appreciate you. Uh -huh. And I think we had an event like that this year where we travelled out of town mm -hmm. and there was an artist that I obviously can't mention who was meant to perform after us. Um, so we were set to put, we were set to play for them, but there was another artist we played up. So it was a different artist than us, and then the main act. Mm -hmm. But 
the artist who performed before us, um, the reason why they put us in the tune there was because they wanted something like very exciting before the main act. Okay. So these people that the, the people that brought us a promoter, they they had seen us performing here mm -hmm. in Harare, so they knew that people will most probably enjoy it. Mm -hmm. When we started, so the first artist I think performed for about 40 minutes, then we went on, and within five minutes, people were bring us like booing. Yeah. Why? They didn't want us on stage, they just wanted to see the main act. That's not nice. Yeah, so I didn't realize it till, because I was, um, I'll have in your monitors, so I'll be listening to the music and mm -hmm. what I'm playing, I can't hear all the colors, because I don't like hearing the colors. Mm -hmm. um, so, what I didn't realize in Bunjula. Okay. So I then listened to some of the videos. I mean, I was watching some of the videos that um, one of my friends was taking when I was performing. Mm -hmm. And they were like shouting the, the artist's name over like what they were playing. Oh. And like some people were coming onto the stage, not onto the stage, but like in front, like telling us to leave, like leave, so quite not leave, leave. How did that feel? Like, honestly, I was just like, I was smiling, I was like, okay, thanks. Because like, I didn't want to show them that whatever they're saying is, is getting to me. And it, honestly, it didn't. Like, Someone might not believe that it didn't get to me, but it actually didn't. Okay. I found it not funny, but it was a different experience because I've, I've never had, not that I'm that good, but I've just never had anyone say, like, you need to leave. Yeah. Uh -huh. So when they did that, <clears throat> excuse me, we only played for about 15 minutes. Oh. And then the promoter was like, don't, don't worry, like, they just don't appreciate it because it's not that you're not good. Oh, okay, so yeah. they gave you some encouragement yeah. afterwards. Did you feel like, okay, you said you didn't really, like you never experienced that. Mm. Uh, how did you process it afterwards? Were you kind of just like, what? No, I think the only thing that helped me what that usually helps me with that is every day you play, and I've noticed that because every weekend you might have something. Mm -hmm. You can play in a place and have 95% of the people enjoy what you're doing, mm -hmm. but you can have someone just stare at you and not enjoy it. Do you notice those people? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think it's just like, it's, it's like anyone. You, you can't be everyone's cup of tea. Um, you can't play rock at a at a gospel festival, okay. or maybe that's that's a bit different because you obviously fix the lineup knowing whatever um, yeah. event it is. But for example, you can't try and make your taste of music appealing to someone else because they have a different taste. Mm. So if you play somewhere and people don't enjoy it, it's not that you're not good, but they just they don't appreciate it, and that's fine. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. Mm -hmm. The art of not taking things personally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else you can think to tell me about advice you have for people? Um, things you have coming up where we can come watch you and support those of us who understand? <laughs> um... I think it just goes back to the, what I was mentioning about originality mm -hmm. and doing things for yourself. Because I think you can only truly be happy if you do that. The reason why I'm saying, the reason, well, how I came to that mm -hmm. decision was, like I said, during lockdown, mm -hmm. I was used to going to work every day, just being out and about over the weekends. If you call someone to play, you go. But having to be at home, I had a lot of time to myself and I had a lot of energy to give okay. out through music, but I didn't know how because I couldn't go teach, I couldn't play anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think I got, I'd like to think I got depressed like during that time. Ooh. So during the lockdown, I started to do those covers and I came up with like, I guess a routine, mm -hmm. 
Because I've listened to songs, and whether it was Afrobeat or House or whatever it was, whatever song I'd enjoy listening to at that moment, whatever was my favorite song, I would hop onto them and start recording different parts. And like looking for ways to, I guess you could say, remember fires. So I'd get up in the morning, spend the whole day just doing, like just practicing and playing. And I then do a cover of any song. And I think I reached a point where I was doing maybe a song every two weeks mm-hmm. or a song every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that gave me a lot of joy and a lot of comfort, even though it sucked being at home. I then, that's how I got to, to I guess you can't, you can't really personalize something that's not yours. Mm-hmm. But just to play along to a song and not just... If someone listens to, to me playing mm-hmm. along to a song, there has to be a difference between hearing me playing along to it and mm-hmm. how they normally hear it when, yeah. when it's heard. Mm. Okay. With that, do you have any original pieces? All the original songs that I've done are all, all from my band. All from my band. Oh, really? Yeah. So I've made some songs, but they're just marimba. They're just for marimba. They're not commercial songs. Would you really record them and release them? I would have wanted to. Really? Yeah. I think you should. I think I've had three, I've had maybe three that I wanted to, to record properly mm-hmm. and then, and then you could say, release them. Would yeah. you ever perform them? Like, with, like, let's say a DJ adding da 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 I think I would. I think that would be a very good idea to do. I think the I I agree. For the past like I'm saying since the time I started doing that, mm-hmm. I mostly enjoyed playing other people's music. But I think I've reached a stage where I've reached the stage where I want to start making my own music. Because the only thing I know it sounds very it's not an excuse, but the only thing that I feel like is stopping me from doing that is I actually don't know how to produce. Mm-hmm. So I have ideas in my head and I just need to find someone who understands me mm-hmm. to work with to then reproduce whatever's in my head. To then reproduce, like in a way, like on the computer. Yeah, because I can, not even, because I can play marimbas mm-hmm. over a beat. there's lots of people who can do that yeah uh, but maybe it's about like finding the person who you gel with mm. uh, is that the thing that but I don't think I think me saying that would be an excuse now because I mm. could find someone to do it someone to do it with rather mm-hmm. um, but I think it's also just sometimes laziness like I need to actually just push myself to do it Okay. Yeah. So when is when is the album release? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Okay. But yeah. soon, I hope. Soon. Yeah. Okay. I'd really be interested to hear your own compositions. Thank you. And yeah, and see that side of you, the mm-hmm. composer. Uh, I think it could be a really cool, interesting, mm-hmm. and original thing to do. Thank you for doing this. No problem. I truly, truly don't know how much I appreciate it. No problem. Thank uh, you. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> it's been my pleasure. So that concludes today's episode. Thank you so much to Ray for sharing your perspective, being so open, your humility and your creativity in general. I'm so excited to see how your story unfolds and the ways we can further celebrate you. Uh, If you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, please like, share the podcast. Let me know what you think. Who you want me to talk to next? I've got a couple of cool people lined up uh, who I learned some pretty cool lessons from. So I hope to see you next time. Until then, peace, love, and have a happy day.